welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, otherwise known as Brad Sever, and I'm joined by Alex, otherwise known as Alex Lockwayne. We're back. Hello. Oh. I was waiting for ready? to say hello, and then I was like, I guess I'll just say hello with no. an unprovoked. An unprovoked yeah. hello. That sounds like a title That's the for the worst an kind of hello. <laughs> an, unprovoked an unprovoked hello. hello. That sounds terrifying. And it's probably going to be too vague. Like when you went for like a dash of paprika and stuff, like we had episodes named after spices. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like the most fun thing is like I never think about naming the episode until I'm uploading the episode and I'm like, fuck, I got to name it something. And then I just, I just throw something out there. A dash of well, paprika. Well, this one has to be called It's the Stack Empty, right? Yeah, we can do that. Um, we could also name it Birds Aren't Real. True. Which is my favorite meme conspiracy. Do you know the story behind that one? I I have no idea. I just saw a lot of them with COVID. That it's like, they're just using so, COVID and keeping us indoors so they can change all the batteries into birds and like shit like that. It was around, um, I think it was around uh, the 2016 election. There was uh, two protests going on there was one against trump one for trump um and this kid he was like 19 at the time was looking at the two sides and was like wouldn't it be really funny if someone was just in the middle with something extremely nonsensical like just doesn't make sense and the first thing he thought of because he's like i'm gonna do it he just wrote on a on a sign he put birds aren't real and he was just in the middle <laughs> going birds aren't real birds aren't real <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it took off. It's amazing. Now they got merch and shit. Like, good for them. That's awesome. He, he was on. Uh, he he was on like the H three podcast like a while back. Ah, yeah. So, like, it's it's really funny. Just to, in just committing to the bit. Not for that podcast. He was actually out of character for that. But every other interview he had, he would he would be <laughs> in character. In character. <laughs> like, yeah, birds aren't real. <laughs> They're just surveillance. Really, I want drones. this shirt. There's there's a shirt that's just a picture of it's a black shirt with like a black and white image of a pigeon and it just says I am a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want it so bad. I saw it today. And I was like, that's fucking great. I gotta get myself that. I'd shirt. wear that. that. Sounds really funny. But the other thing that's a lie is the stack. The stack is a lie. It doesn't exist. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Alex. You explain it. Yes. Because there so, is a Twitter discourse all about the stack not existing or is at least being empty. All right. So um, we're a little late on this. So a lot of people have probably already gotten the hang of this. Though I, I, we do release pretty fast. So maybe it's not too bad. But there was a lot of Twitter drama. And it surrounded a player named, um, excuse me, uh, Dominic Pelorico, Pelorchio. I'm very sorry. But I'm not looking at it, so I can't. They had a tweet longer, and it says, Judge it Policy, in my experience, round six at NRG Chicago. And there's a tweet longer, and but it's not that long, so I guess I'll just read it out, and then we can talk about it. Judge Policy, in my experience, round at, si at round six. Round six at NRG Chicago. Both me and my opponent are four and one. I was playing Is It Phoenix, and my opponent was playing Ragnos Midrange. My opponent has a shieldred in play and has been announcing his triggers in a timely fashion whenever I draw my card, and there has been no issue. Now buckle in because it gets crazy. 
I am at seven life after taking two of my draw step. I lead my main phase one with a consider, bidding the card and drawing. My opponent does not allow the trigger, so then I cast an opt, bottoming and drawing a card. Between brackets, only casting this opt because the missed trigger leaves me with enough life to dig deeper for a lightning axe for the children. After drawing for opt, my opponent says, so you've drawn two cards and lose four life. I inform him that he has missed the trigger from the draw of consider, he calls a judge, and now all hell breaks loose. The judge, someone I respect and who I trust a lot with the ruling, rules that it is possible that I cast this opt in response to the shoulder trigger from consider, and that I will lose four life. I am internally losing my mind, and the floor judge asks, uh, floor judge asks me if I want to appeal, which I do. The head judge was uh, upholds the ruling and also denies me the opportunity to rewind my opt given the mistrigger and absurdity of the situation uh, would have led me to make a different play. The ruling from both of these judges is correct and that is what the problem is, with policy not with the judges. I could lead my turn 4 on instant speed cantrips and at the end my opponent could just say oh yeah you take 8. This is asinine, I was informed that the best way to circumvent this was to ask my opponent if the stack was empty, and then capital, what? Who does that? I chatted with the floor judge, who gave me this ruling after the round, which I lost partially due to this debacle. He then presents me with an example from um, DH... DH? Don't know what that means. Dreamhack? Oh, Dreamhack Atlanta, that I will now give you, which hopefully hammers home how uh, abusable this part of the policy is for cheaters slash angle shooters. And okay, I'll agree, this one is fucking nuts. Player A is on enigmatic fires and has an enigmatic incarnation in play. Player A passes the turn and does not announce the incarnation trigger. Player B on blue-eyed control flashes in Wandering Emperor on end step and makes a token. Player A leyline bindings the token and then says, sack leyline binding to my incantation. Um... Capital, this is allowed. The blue-white control player is assumed to have responded to the incarnation trigger. The only way the blue-white control player can do this is to ask the opponent if the stack is empty. If they attempt to untap, give information of no effect, the incarnation player can still resolve their trigger as it was assumed that's what they were passing priority for. This policy is terrible and needs to change. It is very avoidable and giving cheaters windows within the rules is heinous and terrible. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. I suppose I've, I've put quite some thought into this. Uh, I don't know if you want to lead off first. I just feel like the biggest issue with this is the fact that you can... Because like if you're playing online, right? you're playing like on Moto or you're playing on Arena. Um, well, I guess not on... I mean, that, that's even harder because, like, it's going to automatically trigger um, <clears throat> and, like, prompt you for it. So there's not even a chance to miss it. But, like, I don't know. I'm sure you've had this happen to, like, an LGS where, like, there's a trigger that happens and you miss it. And you're like, well, whoopsies. And then there's the people that will be like, well, it's impossible to miss a trigger because it's not a you may. Like, it has to happen. Yeah. But technically, it can be missed. It's just, like, it depends on the card and the context of it. But this just allows people who miss a trigger, genuinely miss it, and then when another player responds, uh, like at the end of the turn, like in the fires, uh, fires example, then that can just basically be like, oh yeah, you've reminded me of my missed trigger. Um, it makes it really weird, and I agree with the uh, person who wrote it, being like it does kind of like give because like how do you how do you ever win that appeal? 
from the perspective of the person that did not miss the trigger. It's not your trigger, right? Like it, that seems like an impossible judge ruling to win to be like, he missed it. I should be able to do this because I'm doing it on the assumption that he missed the trigger because he didn't announce anything. And he said, end of turn. And I'm like, okay. And if it in the case the of the shield writ, it was just the moment they cast the second no, 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 draw yeah, spell, he's like, you should take four. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the fires of invention thing. Oh yeah. That one's fucking crazy. Like I agree. Cause like, if it's the end of turn and it like, cause that's what control players do at the very end of your turn. When you are passing priority, that little window at the end of the end, like cleanup phase is when you do something. That's when you're doing yeah. it. And that's what I should, that's what you I, should in theory be able to tell the I, judge, but they can still walk it back. I feel like, this this was my problem because they're kind of pulled into one. When I do think they're they're not the same in my eyes, and this is where I started thinking, well, shouldn't the rules make a differentiation between I coin it like a proactive and a reactive trigger? What I mean by that, like mm. proactive, is it it is my incarnation, and I move to my end step, and now it triggers. So I feel like I should announce that trigger, and like I can miss that trigger. Especially because this is a May. So it just get fucked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the other one is, I would say, a reactive trigger. Where I have a card, but an action my opponent takes triggers that card. Now, I don't know what the exact ruling around it should be. I'll be honest, for the most part, I actually think the rules are fine but we can talk about that a bit. But for me, it's like what the rules are trying to accomplish. Um, but I can see that that would be like a split. These situations don't seem the same to me. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. there's definitely a point to be made that like the rules should be like split up here. Because like there's also this thing with like missing mandatory triggers. I know there's like weird timings with paying for packs. So you can like, if your opponent forgets to pay a pact, you can remind them later in their turn. But then if they've cast spells, that means the pack still goes on the stack and then they lose because they can no longer pay for it. So, like, there's, like, weird rules in that regard anyway. But I think what my main takeaway from this is is that the big discussion is what people want to get out of the rules. Like, I think, for example, I think asking my opponent if the stack is empty is not as weird of a question as people make it out to be. Like, I think, is the stack empty? Is it actually, like, not a terrible thing to ask? And I think it mainly has to do with, like, I think the rules should encourage magic to be played as cleanly as possible. So a trigger that cannot be missed was missed. So we should put the trigger should like resolve so like you should lose the life because the rules should enforce the game to be played cleanly and also people made the point of like you can miss triggers you should be able to miss triggers but i think in general i don't know i feel like the rules should just account for that being not being the case like as often as possible um this is obviously for mandatory triggers. If you miss a May trigger, we will just assume that you declined. I think that's like a mm-hmm. reasonable rule because it yeah, keeps the game the, the way it is. In the case of it's not a you May. Yeah, in, Shouldered is not a May. 
So the moment we miss out on the shoulder trigger and we just pretend it didn't happen, in my view, we're kind of playing a fake game of magic at that point. Yeah. So and I don't personally like that. But. I kind of have a, a, a mildly hot take on, on the shouldered part of this. They, the person that wrote this says that this is a thing that can, you know, benefit like cheaters and, and uh, like rule sharks, right? Or angle shooters, right? I would kind of argue that the play that they made of trying to dig one card deeper with opt because their opponent missed a shoulder trigger is kind of angle shooting. Yeah, I I felt the same. Especially because often with cheating, an important part is intent, right? If you can make a genuine mistake, like there can be a genuine error that comes to your benefit. I don't think that's quite the same as literally, he literally points out that he only casts the opt because his opponent missed the first shoulder trigger. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I feel like at this point, we're not playing a real game of magic. In my mind, if I'm the person playing Phoenix in that situation, it wouldn't even cross my mind to make that kind of play because I'm assuming because shoulder is not a you may, it is an automatic thing that happens. The moment I, it has to happen. Yeah, I know. Like the moment I draw a card with a shoulder in play, I just reach for my life pad and say lose two. Like, I've never waited for my opponent to remind me of a shoulder trigger. I do it myself. Now, I understand that this is like at an event I generally play at like FMs and shit, where obviously I think everyone would like, at least most people. And I'm going to assume, you know, this uh, Dominic would be the same at a fucking FNM. Like, who cares? You're going to write down the two life you're lost. You're going to remind your opponent of a trigger, right? You're more there to have fun than to win a thing and it's like a big tournament so i get that the context is different this is just kind of how i like to play the game and i think personally that the rules should you know determine who's the best magic player by who's the best at playing a game of magic and not because i also feel like there's a lot of context missing here like how, how long did they actually wait for example what is the actual like timing in between um, again, I think the intent is also like weird. At one point, I know if you appeal to a judge, did they did the judge ask like what was your intent? You know, and did they say, well, they they didn't make me lose life, so I thought I'd just draw another card. I find that, but I find that like that gets really in the sort of like you know um, internet detective kind of thing that I don't really care about. Yeah, I more care about like the general rules discussion, um, and to. I don't know if you have any points on the shoulder because I feel like I'm starting to repeat myself. So, I think it's a funny thing where normally we I would be in a little bit of agreement in the sense of um, the idea that online magic, whether it's MTGO or Arena, has kind of you know had a, a, a lot of ways negative impacts um, where it fucks with how people interpret game states in paper where like like for example the visual representation of uh damage mm -hmm. in arena like on, on cards isn't the same way that it actually works in the game it's just that visual component we talked about this i know before on the on the cast where it's like how how like damage is actually interpreted and like what it, like what it means of like the state of like that card yeah 
um, versus like what it represents in the little pretty red on Arena <laughs> for just the visual help, the visual aid, but it's not actually that. It's kind of the same thing here with triggers, but in the opposite way. I feel like you should always treat non-optional triggers of cards the same way they would happen in an online game where the client automatically says that happens. Like I, I, it, yeah, it's I, just a weird, it's making my brain I hurt a little bit and thinking of like why someone would think a miss trigger on a non optional, you know, ability like is even something that could even yeah. be missed. Maybe and this I, is like I get my competitive misunderstanding of how like, you know, like competitive rules enforcement and stuff work. But there are a lot of people saying like, you should not have to remind your opponent of their trigger. But I thought that failure to maintain the game state is just a game rule violation. On both people. Yeah. Yeah. On that, both that's players. My, and I don't know if that like changes at a certain level of um, rules enforcement, but I think the statement "you should not remind your opponents of their triggers" is wrong. Like personally, I feel like it is up to both players to make sure that the game is played cleanly. And, you know, mistakes will happen, but you know, I find again my opponent misses a trigger, I'm going to be quiet and hopefully get an advantage out of that. I find that a little game sharky and person a rule sharky, and I personally don't really like. I think it's like a debate to be had, right? There's, but like, I was thinking about it. If we call, if this would happen on Arena, right? What if on Arena, for some reason, if you cast Consider first and then cast Opt, a Shieldred wouldn't trigger? Like, we'd call it bug abuse if you use that. Yeah. And it'd be frowned upon. But in paper, yeah. apparently it's a feature, which I get that. It is kind of a feature of paper magic where you can make mistakes and. And, and shit. But I feel like Magic is a game where there are way enough windows to make mistakes because of the complexity of the game that that in itself is enough to like separate the good from the great players and not honing in on your opponent missing a trigger. I feel like that's not a skill that you should have to develop to be good at Magic. Yeah, and there's there's... <clears throat> There are skills like that in Magic and Paper. Like, there's the famous LSV, like, declare blockers. Yeah, thing, where he, like, grabs right? the token and, like, show and then yeah. settles his opponent. And then, and, and what's the other one? The pen thing? Um, do you know what I'm talking about with I that I think one? he already, like, the... got with his pen to, like, wrote, write down the life total change or something. He didn't write anything down, but he, I think... Or, like, he passed his opponent a pen to, like, write it down. I don't know exactly, but I think it had to do with, like, but noting life totals and then... yeah. His opponent was Stuff like, oh, like guess that swing, and then is, I would argue, in the realm of a skill, for for magic, and there is a there is a little bluffing in magic and paper that you can't do at a certain point in like you know in in online stuff, but this is not that, the shoulder thing that this this feels like genuine angle shooting like it in a and... way if we take the lsv example where people don't know there was a game this was around guilds of ravnica i think um mm -hmm. where lsv he had a flipped um legions landing so he could make for four mana he could make a token and block his opponent is trying to like do the math for going to combat 
and tries to like in his head or like how would the blockers go what would life total be do the math and lsv basically hands him i think he like flashes it above the table he doesn't actually pass it to his opponent but a vampire token as if he would have made a vampire to help his opponent do the math and then his opponent does the math goes to combat swings out and he casts to settle the wreckage and in a yeah. way, he used that like token to kind of bait his opponent into forgetting about Settle the Wreckage. This, to me, feels a little bit like... Um, we have technical difficulties for a second. <laughs> Hello? Welcome back. Well, great thing that we record with Audacity and not with uh, whatever the robot thing's Correct. called anymore. Um God, that, that would be like a throwback for the OG listeners, like telling us, ha- having us tell the, what is it called, Greg, Greg or something, the reporter bot? Craig. Yeah, Craig, to Craig. shut up. Um, but anyway, so good luck editing this together. Uh, with the LSV example, it feels a little bit here like, like imagine if LSV had also like tapped his lands already. Like, mm. to really, like, I am making a token block. And then it's, like, actually, like, like let's say he had to, like, tap for specific code. But whatever, you know what I mean. You said it, too. It feels mm-hmm. like it's a step further than that. Now, I'm not going to, like, be here and, like, call it, like, Dominic is, like, an angle-shooting cheaty asshole or whatever. Like, I need way more context than this in order to make that kind of judgment. And, frankly, that's not even up to me. That's up to the judges. And I'm sure if the judges would have thought like um, that he was like genuinely trying to cheat, like cheat and angle shoot, he would have gotten more of a penalty. Like anyway, mm-hmm. then just no, you can't take it back. Um, but and also on the other side yeah. of it, I don't think the opponent was angle shooting either because this kind of like reminds me of like the being spoiled by arena and like MTGO where it's like. Yeah, that trigger just happens. Yeah, I mean, they said they were announcing it cleanly up until that point and then didn't. I mean, fuck, man, you're in a tournament, you're doing well, you're in round six. Like, can you have a brain fart for a second? Like, are we supposed to be, like, superhuman where we can't just, like, zone out for three seconds in a game of Magic and then your opponent, like, fucking jumps on that? Like, at one point, do we have to, like fucking dope test magic players to make sure that they're not using like performance enhancers to make sure that they are on target for the whole tournament because otherwise they or might miss a trigger. Anal beads. What? Or vibrating anal beads. Yeah, or that if they if they want to have like information about the mirror buzzed straight to them. Um Shout out nuns. Nuns. Also, I think a little bit of this it's like player communication anyway. Like, I feel like if I'm the blue... If I go to the second example... Now, again, I do feel this is different. Any incarnation player should absolutely announce when they go to end step that there is an incarnation trigger going yeah, that, on the stack. that one's kind of fucked. But to be honest, if I'm playing control generally, like, that's the type of thing I would remind my opponent of. Because... I need to play the game, like, cleanly. So I don't think is the stack empty is a weird question. Um, To be honest, like, I might start using that now that I've seen it. If I'm like, should my opponent have a trigger and they're not saying anything? Um, But when I play Magic generally, I tend to be, like, pretty 
communicate, like commune, uh, communicate. Gosh, English language is hard. Um, things like, especially if I'm like really in the zone, I tend to say shit like untap, upkeep, draw when I go through a mm -hmm. turn. Or if my opponent passes, I will be like, move to my turn. Opponent's like, yes, okay, move to my turn, right? So yeah, I noticed that doesn't happen in like higher level play. Yeah, people just like tick tick like, tick, tick, going tick back and, and forth, shit. and I'm like, yeah, well, that just makes this type of shit more likely to happen. So I don't think mm -hmm. that you know if the conclusion of the rules, it's like, well, I don't agree with the rules, and it's like, well, if you the rules say you should communicate more. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing if the rules give you that as an answer. Like, well, this is bullshit. And it's like, well, if you would have communicated more, this wouldn't have happened. So it's a, it's a bit on you, in a way. Also, that's kind of the point of paper, right? Like, there's more to be missed and stuff. It's like, it's like usually my choice of online play isn't Cocturus because or untap uh because i don't want to act like i'm playing paper in a digital component because it feels like so much fucking work when i'm trying to be lazy like that's part of it yeah but then arena's paper too is lazy because you can't bluff an arena like that's what i feel like that's why you put full control on you put full control on and you can bluff but like th that's kind of what i feel like the component of paper magic already is there is no f6 there is no you know auto skip bullshit that you can kind of know like i think my opponent's tapped mm -hmm. out at this point and they just like or like, i think my opponent doesn't have anything because it automatically passed the turn like that's already a thing that like is not there in ma in paper and i feel like you know playing quote-unquote unclean games of magic is not really what paper is about for me like i'm not like yeah i can finally play paper magic again so i can get my opponent on miss triggers like i regularly remind my opponents of miss triggers and I'm just in the yeah. habit of doing it. If I go to an RCQ, I'm gonna be doing. I I'll be doing it. I'm sure, just because it's in my system to be like, you know, if my opponent plays a ledger shredder and then plays um, a piece of the puzzle and like reaches for their deck, you know, that would lead to basically a faux game of magic because they should have had a consider trigger. Uh, sorry, consider a knife trigger. So the top card of their deck should not be in the pieces pile. So I would remind my opponent, hey, wait, 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 before you reach for your deck, you have a connive trigger. And, like, I don't see why, like, people make it a good thing. Also, this whole context is a bit weird anyway, because I feel like this person was fucking dead to shoulder it anyway if they were in this situation. Yeah. But, like, that's, again, judging the individual case. Um, you know, did they give their opponent two seconds to think about it before they went for the opt? Did they give them a solid ten seconds? Like, whatever. Right, we don't know that. Uh, I also think that the judges not reversing the opt is a completely normal rule. Because if the opt was resolved, you scry a card and draw a card. How the hell are we supposed to know which card just came into your hand? Like we can't know that. True. So you shouldn't rewind that. The, the, yeah. the main thing that just got me is that they did this on purpose. Only casting this opt because the mist trigger leaves me with enough life to dig deeper for a lightning axe for the shield root. That, like, bugged me. No, I agree. I agree. But I will say, there is a, this is a situation in which I do feel like no one is the asshole here. 
like there's just an argument to be had should you be allowed to miss triggers should the rules encourage you not to miss triggers like again no one's the asshole here but you know i did this took up a lot of fucking brain space also because i was stressed about stressed out about other things so i was like yay magic stuff to fill my brain with instead <laughs> so brad if people want to support us uh, a little bit more than just listening to our episodes where can they go well, they can go on Patreon, on patreon.com slash pioneerspective. They get early access to episodes every single week. They have access to other tiers that allow them to completely suggest whatever topic they want for us to either have a segment or an entire show with, and other benefits like merch if they go higher in tiers from there as well. There's also Ink Gaming. You can go on the website for our affiliate link. They can either get stuff with our faces on them or they can get stuff without them. And either way, the affiliate link helps us out and helps grow the show. Another way to support us too is to check out our articles on playingpioneer.com. I have my uh, Grixis Grab series that I will write every set comes out and what cards are in my favorite decks. And I will also try and write other articles again soon. And you have your Like a True Pioneer series where you explore all different kinds of things in Pioneer, like trying to figure out the ascendancy cycles is always a cool one. And you also have our socials, which is, you know, also a way to support us by giving us some more engagements on the old Twitter sphere. They can find me at uh, Alex Lockthwain, and they can find you over at Bradsifer. And if you want to engage in us a different way, you can go and play Paper Magic with us and with other people over at the Playaway Discord server and hop in a league, find an, uh, just a regular looking for game tag, or also interact with us through the mailbag. Also a way to suggest episode topics, ask questions, which I also want to give a quick shout out to Card Hoarder, who uh, has allowed us to join in their content creator program which means that you know it's a bit easier for us to experiment with decks and try out new content and if you want to have any cards on mtgo try and use card hoarder i've already used it even before they got on the program easy to use good place to get your cards check them out and now back to the episode well there's more magic stuff to fill your brain with because moving on to arena we have the full spoiler spoiler list of Explore Anthologies 2. And remember last time when we complained that we didn't get things like the Delph spells or Nykthos or Oath of Nyssa or like Monaster of Swissbeer? Well, at least we got to see Monaster of Swissbeer getting reprinted in Brothers Wars. We're like, okay, that makes sense. Look at that. That makes sense. And then we get some cool things in the Anthologies list today, which I think goes live... Uh, <laughs> December 13th. <laughs> Found it. Found it. We got there. Bundle costs 25,000 gold. Okay. That's a reason. Or you can do 4,000 gems. But we got some cool cards. We're getting closer and closer to having Pioneer functionally. Uh, on arena not the full list not the full you know format but functionally what the meta is right now is almost there but as always there's a few cards where i'm just like why where that could have just been the delve spells Especially considering we only got well, two blue spells. Well, Brad, why wouldn't but, you want Sliver Hive Lord for like your yeah, that's five slivers that are in this format? That shit's there for fucking yeah. historic. 
Yeah, they have more because they have a bunch more. And then I'm like, just yeah. put in a fucking historic anthology, not an explorer nope. one. But let's go through it. So the first thing we have is wastes are now going to be available on Arena. Hooray! Strangely enough, you actually get deck. those for free. I'm surprised. Even though Hooray. they're basics, I'd be like, they probably make you pay for it. Just spend yeah, one, one common, common wild card to have them. Like, I could see them just doing that. Or you need to do four, and then, like, Relentless Reds, once you have four, you have infinite. <laughs> so moving on to white. White gets five cards. First one is Eldrazi Displacer. Cool card. Big fan of it. I'm fine with that. Eerie Interlude is another card. For those of you who don't know what the fuck this card is, it's three mana. Um, this is from Shadows of Innistrad. Yes. Uh, it's a three mana instant, two and a white. Exile any number of target creatures you control. Return those creatures to the battlefield under, your, under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So it's a flicker. It's like a, a Charming Prince effect. No, not no. it's like Yorian. It's Yorian. Yorian. Um, why? Why is this here? It's not like you're doing... A, it's not like the, uh, you know, um, the uh, Amonkhet remastered or Kaladesh remastered where it's like, we got to have some draft chaff in here for interesting limited gameplay. There's no limited drafting of the fucking anthology. Why is this here? It's kind of like the... the the what, what was it from the last it's anthology? That we were like... Yeah, it's the angel tech. Fuck off. Why is this here? This should that should have been Treasure Cruise right there, especially again because we got two fucking uh, blue cards that I'm going to argue shouldn't have been here either. But let's move on. The next white card is actually a really big one. It's Brave the Elements, phenomenal card. Sees play in Pioneer, great card, awesome to see, good. Thumbs up for me. Okay. Then we got Soldier of the Pantheon. Sometimes sees play in mono white humans. It depends on the meta. Soldiers, um, blue white soldiers. It's also also in blue white soldiers. Again, it's a card that depends on the meta. I'm fine with. Uh, that's you know. I mean, this that, is that's this like is a absolutely a pioneer one. card. Like, if you want to get to like, you know, at one point, I could imagine we just get pioneer, except like random draft chef that nobody will ever play. Like four mana two two vanillas. But like, this is a card that mm-hmm. we need for real pioneer. This card is played yeah. and good. Did you know it was a rare? I have no idea, but they could have made it not a rare when they put it in here well, because this is this screams uncommon to me. So would it, it use? Does. I thought it was an uncommon cards. in paper all this time. I own a playset of them, and I thought they were uncommons because they were like two cents. But whatever. But they kept it a rare. I have... wonder why. Oh, oh. But Alex, you can just get the bundle. And then you don't have to yeah. worry about the rare wild cards and stuff. And then next we have Ethereal Armor. Amazing. Fantastic. Good. Now, Auras is not played nearly as much at use as it used to be in Pioneer. That's okay, though. This is a, an integral well, part of Celestia that archetype. Auras and has it has picked up some steam. So, yeah. But we're still missing Glade Cover Scout and Alpha Authority. and But <laughs> getting there. Almost. But their armor is great. So for white, I'm going to give a total, you know, out of these five cards. I'm going to give two solid hits. One I'm fine with. Another one I'm just kind of like okay on. And then one of why the fuck is this here? 
yeah, it's like one one and a half dud and like three decent, like one great hit, two good hits. So it's fine. Yeah. Now blue, <laughs> we only get two cards here. We get clever impersonator, commander staple. I guess you want to play uh, uh, what was it, Gyruda? We need oh, more clones. Yeah. That that's it. Even though you can just play any of the other yeah. twelve clones already on the client, because you already have you already have Spark thing, Spark double for more of the Spark. You have Vizier of many faces from uh, Amonkhet, and then you also have the one from uh, Nukapena. Oh, just came not out. a body double uh, or something. Yeah, not body. Is a body double? I don't know. No, it, it, but that's something infiltrator you already, you already have, or whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's another four mana clone thing. You already have twelve. Do you need sixteen for Garuda? Well, I mean, this card just sees zero play. I don't even know if it's all playing Garuda decks. So, like, it's just maybe it, it did. did before the fucking new one came out. Yeah, I don't fucking know. And then we get because that one's a rare, and this one's a random ass mythic yeah. that might have that might cost a little bit. And then we get Mystical Dispute at home, also known as Dispel. This card was good, and then Mystical Dispute got printed, and then it never saw play again. Um, yeah. Except, I remember playing this. This this was like this was the ultra feel bad format was new. I played this card, and I had to board it in versus Gruul Aggro because they would board in f- like a local player because they would board in four fucking Veil of Summer. So I played against Gruul huh. Aggro, and I had to board in Dispel. It's like this card even just like brings back bad memories. They pick decent These art for it. These could have been. Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time, and I would have been like, I would have been completely fine with the only two cards in that sense being yeah. tr- uh, Cruise and Dig Through Time. That would have been amazing. But no. They should just they should have just done three. They should have just dropped that fucking eerie interlude I mean, and be like, yeah, you get Cruise, Dig Through Time, and fucking the, the turn I mean, spell. you know my opinion. They shouldn't have fucking dropped anything, and they should just give us more cards. It is a joke to put these cards in Arena for them. Like, we'll get to another one where I'm like, why the fuck is this card missing from this cycle? But um, in black, this is a really sick one. Got Zulaport Cutthroat. Oh, this is a great one. Yeah, like, fantastic. This, this is a good one A-plus. to make, like, Jun Citadel or Golgari Citadel. I don't know if we have Catacomb Sifter. We probably don't, but, like, that's not always no, in. No, we don't. Um, but, like, that's it is in to, For like, Golgari make Citadel tick. Like, to really combo off. So we're still missing that mm-hmm. card, but, hey, we're... You know, give us another six months and the next anthology might get you there. Um, yay. Now, Red, Red is, is the best one gas. so far of the entire. Yeah. Well, one of them is a miss, like, contextually. But get Idol of the Great Revel. Sick. You know, mono red staple. Then we get Fiery mm. Impulse, which is unplayable because there's not going to be a Phoenix deck. Because uh, <laughs> there's no Treasure Cruise. Maybe people well, will play still like a Phoenix deck. Oh, there is a Phoenix people still deck. People still play Phoenix. Okay, yeah. but um, why? But <laughs> so there's there's fiery impulse, which I guess is gonna make Phoenix ever so slightly not complete shit, uh, except they still don't have all their good cards. And then rending volley, which is fucking dope because mono white just got a huge boost and grease fang is great on explorer. I think here's the angels tech. Yeah, that's an angels. Which I think Angels has everything green? on Arena, right? Like, 
you just have literally the whole deck. Yeah. Yeah, Except people do. now play it with like Canopy Vista and shit because you want to have more planes for laydown arms. Like I've seen versions of that. So I guess mm-hmm. you don't have everything, but you're kind of there. Uh, then we have Green, which gives us Corsair Crucifix. Uh, not really seeing any play in Pioneer anymore for the most part. Uh, but, you know, cool card. Isn't it like card. niche like in Enigmatic Fires? Yeah. Because it's an enchantment creature, so it's like decently defensively, and it like climbs you up the chain. So, you see it. Then we have Seder Wayfinder, uh, just Solid. a huge buff for Grease Fang. Like, that's insane. Um, World Breaker. So now you can actually play the traditional, you know, Eldrazi all-in green, green ramp. Yeah, because you have Ulamog and shit on there already. Still don't have Nissus And then Nylea's Presence. True. They have Nylea's Presence, which uh, sometimes sees play as like a one or two of an Enigmatic Virus. It used to be a four of, but then we got but other cards. This is what I don't get. Until Dominaria United came out, Nylea's Presence was basically unplayed. Like, it was very, very, very rarely run an Enigmatic. I know Epic uh, are a resident Enigmatic players. Uh, ran it for a bit. I think he had just cut it, and then Dominaria United came out, and he was like, all right, guess it goes back in the deck. Um, mm-hmm. And so that makes me think, they probably made this shit up like a month ago, right? Like what this anthology was going to be. Where's the... where? Why the wait? Like, why do we have to wait so long? I, I don't get it. Like, they clearly make this shit up on the fly, so... Like, this is, like, one board meeting, right? Well, board. Like, one team meeting with, like, three people. And then 30 minutes later, they're like, we figured it out. We know the next anthology. Yeah, each each person responsible for, like, you know, eight cards. Yeah, like, they only do this. they fucking forgot. Why do they only do this at every quarterly meeting? Like, for some fucking reason. Like, can we please do this more often? <laughs> I would say green's a pretty decent hit, though. You have yeah. two solid cards. Sated Wayfinder's great. Corsair's cool. Nightly's Presence's okay. Um, and at least it's like a card that's card. seen play. Yeah. Exactly. At least they've seen play. That's the thing. Multicolor. Reflector Mage. S-tier. Probably yeah. the best card on this entire fucking anthology. N- almost. Best spell. Eidolon, I think, is best spell on the anthology. True. Then we have... Sliver Hive Lord? Bulgars. Cool. We have like six slivers in the format. Cool, cool for historic. Good for them. You know, they they pulled a commander on us where you get a standard set and you're like, this is clearly the commander card. And now we get an explorer anthology and we're like, this is clearly the historic card. <laughs> yeah, you can play Brawl. Ooh. Explorer Brawl. Let's go. Uh, then we have Shaman of the Pack. Great. Phenomenal. Great for elves. Yeah, the only draw to play black and elves basically. And now you've got it. So, yep. So multicolored, we'll say Elvish you know, Mystic in the previous one. So elves is, and we got you know spoiler alert, we've got Nykthos. So yep. like elves and like the more recent builds of elves, I'm pretty sure is entirely there. So I might actually have a reason to play Explorer now, a little bit. Yeah. So out of the multicolored, I'd, I'd say Reflector Mage is an S tier hit. Sliver is a S tier miss, and then Shaman's like. It's fine, middle of the pack right it's like elves is a deck that has seen play it has popped up here and there and shaman is a big reason why the deck can like steal games so it's good to have that because now you're not completely reliant on the you know please allow me to untap and overrun you plan and you could actually just like double coco into a dub sometimes and then we have colorless 
which basically might as well be the category of cards I wish saw play but don't. Thought Not Seer, Kozilek, Mattery Shaper. None of these fucking cards see play in Pioneer. They haven't for a while. The only one that saw play at all was Thought Not Seer. Anytime someone played Mattery Shaper, you're like, what the fuck Mattery are you doing? Mattery Shaper is just a meme where like the card that is like saw pl- sees play in Eldrazi, Tron, and Modern, or at least saw play, even though all the time everybody knew that the card was bad. Like, I remember, um, I think it was an SCG. I think someone had Natural Tron. And on turn three, they play their Tron land. They have seven mana available. And they tap them all out to play two mana reshapers. And Patrick Sullivan fucking loses it on the cast. He's just laughing his ass off. At, like, Natural Tron and your big payoff is a pair of three twos. Well done, buddy. But, but Alex, if it dies, you can find one of your other Tron lands. Ooh. But also, what pisses me off about this, so then you give us the fucking Eldrazi, where is my boy Reality Smasher? You know, then give us the whole package. Like, Reality Smasher is literally like that like angry devil sore with the ward ability from Graveyard Trespasser. That's the whole card. Like, there's no mechanic on it that they couldn't make work, and they literally just could not be bothered to finish this cycle. A cycle, right? The three, four, five, you know, Mana Reshaper, Thought Not Seer, Reality Smasher were kind of like the three, four, five Eldrazi. I'm like, where's where's the coolest one? Like, I always thought the Reality Smasher was a pretty cool card. Yeah. But instead, we get Kozilek the Great Distortion, which you can cast of, I don't know, Marvel. Nobody did, but I, you, I don't think you can play Thought Not Seer in big red fires, I guess, Ooh. for a turn too late of looking at your opponent's hand. <laughs> you know, you could look like at what might play. have been. Yeah, you, know you go fucking does. fires and then Thought Not Seer and like, wow, I scoop. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then you go look at the lands. The lands uh, this are is gas. probably the best thing about the entire thing. Is Mana Confluence, Mutavolt, Nykthos. Phenomenal. Amazing. I'm very happy to see Mutavolt especially. Of course, Nykthos is big. But that's when I've been like, hey, you know what? You know what? We can finally get people to shut the fuck up about Nykthos being banned in Pioneer. Because everyone's like, they're not going to put it in the Explorer Anthology. So that means it's going to be banned. Shut the fuck up. It's there. Wait. Wait five months and then maybe it'll be banned later. No, but even then, on. it should be fucking Karn anyway. I'm I'm so glad. I listened to uh, you know Crew 3 the other day. And they were still, like, they were talking about the results from, like, multiple events. And the conclusion every time was, like, I still want Karn banned. I was like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right on. The but Mono Green's not that good. People were prepared for it. For yeah, the Never expected a devotion tech to be the role of Dredge. But, yeah, so, overall, I mean, you know my opinion on Explorer Anthologies. I think they all suck until we get the one that says we get all the cards. Like, I'll basically hate all of them. But especially that they still haven't given us the Delve, which is just going to be more fuel for people now swapping that Nykthos discussion to Delve spells. Mm, they're not adding them because they're banning them. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I'm Even sure. they've said in the previous ban announcement, being like, we're not banning the Delve spells, we think they're cool in the format. Yeah, so. but also, <laughs> like, you know, 
laugh my ass off the day they banned fucking temporal trespass. Like, they could have at least put that on. Now, if you want to put a card on for historic, you know, give us temporal trespass. I'm sure they'll break the fuck out of that card in some stupid historic deck. But Actually, yeah. Um, isn't there an, expor- uh, an, an historic anthology as well in the same set? I have Is that no idea. Too? Historic. What number are we on? Not that many, Seven? actually. It's going to be like five, six. You know, format's already been there for about 30 years, so makes sense they've only added 100 cards. So we have a total of six of them. We're getting a seventh, I guess, at some point. I, I would have thought that the weird arena alchemy thingy for Historic would have also been in another anthology, but I guess not. Oh, I so, looked up, yeah. Uh, Explorer Anthology 1 was actually July 28th, so it, is actually, it has actually been half a year. So we get about two a year, which at this point gives us about 30 cards a year for Explorer to catch us back up. Which at that rate, I don't want to do the math, but but I think... There's only a difference of 50 cards between Explorer and Pioneer in the meta. Yeah, but, you know. And then people are like, oh my god, nobody brews. I was like, because we can't. (laughs) None of the cards to brew with. Like, how do you expect me to brew if you don't give me cards to brew with? Fuck. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. But that's what we're going to say every single time. It is a step in the right direction when they a have step the full capability of making the entire leap and just being it is like, like... It is like putting one foot in front of the other in the correct direction. And that might be an overstatement. We're not allowed to run, Alex. We can only shuffle. I think if you put one foot in front of the other at a time and you try and run a marathon... That way, you are still so much faster than Wizard is at putting Explorer on Arena. Like, unreal faster. Like, you will still move at the speed of light relative to how slow they are. Meanwhile, Marvel snaps like, you get a new card every single week. <laughs> it's You know what's funny? Marvel Snap is going to have the equivalent of all the Pioneer cards, like in terms of number. Oh, in faster like, than by like in, March. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the data mine for that fucking game, and you see like nine hundred cards that are like just chilling, waiting to be released. And they're like, "Yeah, you'll get them every week." Meanwhile, you you have to wait for the board meeting every six months to hope you get. The card you really want, but then you get and then half fucking, of them are uh, ass anyway. You get fucking eerie interlude. You get eerie interlude. <laughs> also a rare, by the way. They even kept that at rare. So was so was tainted remedy. Oh, that was a rare too. Yeah. Like, good God, like you know, and like hey, don't you I, want to play I know, a tree you know, we've, we've we've got the PlayX network, and playing Explorer is part of that. And if you if you like Explorer check that out but i cannot get my ass to like shill for this fucking format like i'm sorry this format is so fucking shit like i just have zero interest in playing this like now that i have elves i might just like you know craft it so that when the game says play some green spells i could play that but that's about Mm -hmm. it 
<sighs> fuck that I want me to do. <laughs> well, let's move on to actual Pioneer. So we've had Bro out for uh, about a month, a little over a month. I can't tell. The the All the previews makes it feel like a year has passed. I think about three, two weeks, I think it's been. Three weeks. Has it only been that long? Well, no two, way. Well, two and a half weeks. Because last FNM, I played. Uh, I know that why I got my ass beat when I tried to play like my blue white oh power. Oh my god! Deck. November eighteenth is when it came out. And it's a week only, before, it's, it's, I Twitter oh. polled to be like, "Hey, should I play Grixis or um, or the blue white power stone?" And uh, the people of Twitter told me to play Grixis, and I pulled a shoulder at the end of the evening. Yeah, yeah. If you don't bags. want the shoulder, you can mail it to so, me. Uh, no, no. I uh, it's it sits very comfortably in my braid CDH deck. Thank you. Um, oh, okay. But where it looks very nice and shiny, and I'm gonna very much enjoy drawing, uh, gaining six life on every end step, and having my opponent pull their fucking hairs out because half the people I play with are Isid or Simic players, and all they do is draw cards. So go fuck yourself. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Let's take a look at the Pioneer meta. Let's see what the impact of Brothers War has been overall, and if there's been really anything that has stuck. Uh, the big there's two big things that come to mind that have stuck uh, and has you know been consistent, and that's uh, Misery Shadow and Rakdos Midrange between two and four copies. It varies from list to list, but there's usually at least two copies in the decks now. Um, just that little extra reach and the the, the Kalidus effect stapled onto it has been proven to be pretty nice. Um, and then you have Angels playing the, uh, what's it called? Kylos Restoration? Restoration or whatever. Yeah. Um, now there is a couple of, like, for example, there was a Pioneer 30k RCQ in uh, at an SCG con in Philadelphia this last Saturday that had a uh, a top four angels list and it was not playing that it was only playing coco um but you know good for them playing three main deck realm walker though that's pretty cool so those are really the two things i've seen that have really stuck has there been but otherwise the meta's about the same yeah Rakdos, obviously we've got all the card cards right cityscape leveler stone brain um yeah I think some people are still playing around with Woodcar for Automaton too. We had a um, Brotherhood end, Brotherhood's end, still a sideboard card for a little Phoenix deck. Just quickly handing over to Goldfish, where it is 1.9 uh, copies in about 74% yep. of decks, so that shows up quite a bit. Uh, I know Todd Anderson has been playing around still a lot with the uh, eight Pyromancer deck, mm-hmm. so that's been pretty solid. Uh, or at least like that's you know like picking up some steam. I can imagine that is an interesting one uh, to play with now on Arena because it's a little bit less reliant on Treasure Cruise because it has off one mind. So at least there's like other cards to churn through your deck in five seconds. Also, pieces of the puzzle is still not on Arena, right? Oh, but we're getting Innistrad. Also, we're getting Innistrad remastered, right? Soon. Why the fuck was an Aryan interlude in there? I. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jeskai Ascendancy has a new brew playing new cards from uh, from Brothers War. There's 
Phalagi Archaeologist. The two mana O three. When it enters, you can mill three cards and oh, grab a non creature. That deck with the your hand. Thassa's Oracle deck. Oh no! Wait, this was in no, uh, Jeskai Ascendancy. It's Jeskai Ascendancy. Yeah, and they're playing Bitter Reunion as well, and they're also playing uh, Mishra's uh, Research Desk. Yeah, that's that an Emery version. So you know. But yeah, did you see the uh, the Demir deck with um, that yeah, wins with, with Thassa's uh, Oracle. Oracle? Yeah, but it plays the wait. I'm gonna try and find it because that deck is cool. Um, is it listed as a Demir control list? No, more. it has to like show up somewhere, right? Like, come on. Is this it? What's that card? It's called Demonic Bargain. The one that exiles the top 13? Yeah. What the fuck? Are we playing Yu-Gi-Oh now? And I hear decks using Demonic Bargain. I would like to filter by uh, not Commander, because then it's going to show up a lot. Oh, it already Four doesn't show up. Auras. Um, anyway, humans. the idea of the deck, I thought it was a really sweet deck. So it's a deck that tries to just mill itself out and then play a Thassa's Oracle for the win. So Demonic Bargain is two and a black, so three mana for a sorcery. It's from Crimson Vow. And it says, exile the top 13 cards of your library, then search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle, together with that new Archaeologist card. Uh, this deck is reasonably fast at just churning through its own deck and then casting an oracle for the win, like, quote-unquote, fairly, uh, or at least actually doing the work for it. Deck is a little awkward, because, for example, uh, when it mills over an oracle, it can get it back with Claim to Fame, but with Demonic Bargain, you might exile your Claim to Fame. <laughs> or, you know, if you don't want to play set of Thassa's Oracle, which I don't think the deck often did, what if you cast your first bargain and you just mill two Oracle? You just... Well, you exile, so you just lose. But I did think the deck was pretty sweet in concept, especially because the Demonic Bargain, if you're doing it for the mill, can just grab another Demonic Bargain. But that deck looks more like a meme than a dream. But it is sweet. You know card's not seeing play at all that people thought would see play? Diabolic Content? Yeah. Maybe I should pick mine up because I want to. I want to kind of. If it, I don't know how expensive it is now because it's not really. They're nine dollars anywhere. It's still a bit much, but I like well, it. There's a. For, um, I might want to build Rality Ancestors with it. I think it's a pretty sweet fit there. Because there's not like the equivalent better tutor where like people talk with Grease Fang and it's like just play Eldritch Evolution. It's like the same card but better. That's obviously not mm -hmm. the case if you're trying to find Rally. So I could see it'd be pretty sweet there. Uh, especially with um, Call of Priest of Forgotten Gods. So you can actually make that mana jump like pretty easily to even just on turn four go like tap my priest, get two extra black, use that for a Diabolic Content, and then on your end step. You know, do the rally shenanigans. So, um, I kind of like it in that deck. I haven't really thought of another deck that would give a shit about it since. But someone was trying to tell me Citadel. Last time I was at my LGS. Yeah, kind of in a similar fashion to my idea with uh, rally. 
because like it's not really a car you but can tutor just, up in any way. There's so many, um, what's it called, like moving parts in in that kind of list already. Where it's like I don't, I, how do you find the room? Yeah, I feel like it doesn't really have the redundancy. Where I could see in like rally, you could probably like find the space a little easier. Mm-hmm. But Citadel is like so tight on the list. Like whenever yeah, it shows up, like it's really. almost like the same sixty main deck because there's just not too much you can do about it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and, and like, maybe Sack is still like on the table, but like at that point, I, I still think you just play the normal list. Um, I just don't think it's that good. Diabolic content, at least. Yeah, it, the the you know we've had we have other tutors, and the cost of sacrificing a creature is just a bit too high. And I'm not shocked. I'm a. Li- I thought the card was gonna at least do something, and so far it's done literal nothing, and that surprised me a little bit. Now, I still think we need to like give it a bit of time, because we had the RC, and people were very much like playing with the meta for that. Uh, I think now people are going to get back to brewing a little bit more, so I can see people come up with something with Diabolic Contempt, but there's also just, like, not really the kind of deck around that really needs it. Again, like, a deck like Citadel or Rally the Ancestors, those are the kind of decks that could get, like, a consistency boost, but it's going to be hard to find a deck that, like, needed only the consistency to be better like then you're generally thinking of like weird combo decks and we have a bunch of combo decks already think like lotus field and lotus field doesn't need it because it wouldn't have to creatures to sack and it does like other tutors like um silver scrying to basically find what it needs anyway so it's it's i think diabolic tutor requires a specific deck and if that deck had been tried before people would have like thrown it to the wayside because it would be inconsistent and then Diabolic Content would fix that consistency, but that's like a hard deck to find. Like, you know, try and find yeah. a deck that someone brewed up six months ago and failed because of consistency reasons. Like, good luck finding like did that you, kind of deck. Did you see um, the Teamer Enigmatic uh, deck? No. It's listed as Teamer Midrange in the 5 0 dump. There's two of them. I think it's the same person just piloting the list. Uh, the two five O's, but it's it's teamer fires, running eight dorks. It's a Yorian list, and then four wandering mind, four aether channeler, a bunch of fucking one ofs for your toolbox, and then four bitter oh, reunion, God. three oath of Chandra, two ranger class, four wolf of haven, four fable, four enigmatic, four fires, and you just you. Tutor out things like Cavalier of Flame, Elder Gargaroth, Karuga, Yorian. Uh, they also have um, the Bayloth as a one of, Pia and Kyrian Ilar, uh, Glasspool Mimic, Loaming Shaman. It's just a pile of uh, cards for an Enigmatic list, but you're down to just three colors, so I guess your mana is better. And you get eight, you get the eight dorks, which. I don't know how often you see your eight, one of your eight dorks in the Yorian list in comparison to 60-card mm. lists. Reasonably often, I guess. 
obviously not as often, but still, like, finding a an 8-off in an 80-card deck isn't, like, that difficult. But... No, this is... I think it's cool. It's cool, but, like, I, I, the Karu got to tutor up. Gotta get Karuga. Yeah, it's Blue Duck 70. Got a couple of 5-0s with the same list. Um, I'm not seeing much else of anything new besides that. Hold on, there's some random blue blacklists. Ooh. Ooh, what is this? We have the return of Valky Blink with Release to the Wind, but... Playing Phyrexian Flesh Gorger and Arcane Proxy. Ah, the proxy is kind of cool because it's it's a cast, so you do actually get mm -hmm. the full value. So then you can release. But the when wind you but when you else. blink Flesh Gorger, it comes back as the seven, and not the uh, the prototype. Yeah, yeah, I know. Wait, is there? There's no payoff for. If you have, because Arcane Proxy doesn't exile, right? Um, oh, it does. Yeah, it does. Exile target instant or source regard mana yeah, value less okay. than or equal yeah, to yeah, Arcane Proxy's like, power. Okay, you just like infinitely release to the winds this, but no. Uh, with Seed of Truth too, so it's like Proxy, Valky, Flesh Gorger, Blink. Pretty cool. I like this. This, this and then sweet. a couple of shieldreds just for good measure because it's, it's a good card. <laughs> Let's add I some like that a lot. Why you know why? <laughs> this is another person that had two five O's with the same list. Fucking, this is like the one steam vents. Yeah, what if we have you it? You never know when you got to cast them. With the table, the one, the one steam vents. Oh, good. We got a couple of three five O's by Samurai Drive on Mono Red Aggro. Look at that. It's back, baby. It's the Chain Roar version, but it's also running only two Shauna Dress to Kill and then two Torture Defiance. So they're going all four on one of them, usually all four on Dress to Kill. So I find that interesting. I guess it gives it that flexibility. And there's another random. Oh, it's so like list. teamer creativity. Why? But like it's called teamer because Senna goes world spinal worm. Like I, I found that an interesting split when I was watching the RC, and I ended up um, later in the week. I ended up playing against Is It Creativity, and that was like the Gear Hulk, um, what's it called? Hullbreaker horror version. Mm -hmm. I suppose this. I, I find that a different split. I don't really know like what's better. Personally, I'm a pretty big fan of just the uh, Xenagos World Spine. I win because you just win the game. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to like playing it kind of fairly. Um, also, not a big fan of like if you need to like creativity for one, you don't actually know what you're gonna hit, or even for two. Like, is that gonna include Hullbreaker or or is it just gonna be two Gearhawks or? Um, not too keen on that. Also, that's vulnerable to graveyard hate, and this version is not. At least I don't think it is. No. So, like, I'm not... So, I, I prefer Teamer, but I'd like to get, you know... love to speak to someone who actually, like, 
has like played both and has like a good grip on it. Is it even actually Teamer? Like, they, is it just Teamer because it's called Teamer because of Waltzbarmer? But to be honest, it is an okay. easy way to differentiate them. That's true. Like, Teamer, if you say Teamer creativity, it's the combo one. If you say, is it creativity, it's the quote unquote fair one. There's the, um, there's also someone playing a mono black mid range list on a 5 0. Just four Aetherborn, four Misery Shadow, four Trespasser, one Rider, four Shieldreds, one Lily of the Veil, four Push, Thoughtseize, Power Word Kill, one Agony's Awakening, and four Invoke Despair. And then a bunch of Man Lands and 25 Lands in general. Just good, clean magic. We're playing a standard list, basically. Mono black, all the good cards from last from the past year. <laughs> yeah, and then throw in your pioneer stuff like Aetherborn, Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, and then call it a day. And I guess Mutavolt and stuff too. Oh, I see a random blue white. Is it? Is it soldiers? It is soldiers, baby. Got a 5-0 blue-white soldiers, four recruitment officer, four Thraven inspector, four Harbin vanguard aviator, four resolute reinforcements, four valiant veteran, two Zephyr sentinel, uh, which is the flash 2-1 for two, that return up to one target creature control to the thunder's hands. If you, uh, if it was a soldier, put a counter on it, submit to 3-2. And then three sky strike officer, which is just crypt breaker for soldiers. One could bring a takedown, four make disappear, four protect the negotiators, four raise the alarm, two rally the ranks, and 20 lands. Yeah, I think this deck's pretty cool. I've I've seen it before. See, like, a Thar Commando on the side, also a soldier with Flash. So it's it's kind of playing like a, like a tempo-y game plan. Like, depending on how its draw lines up, it'll probably end up, like, tapping out for, like, a few turns early. But then, you know, when the big haymakers come down, it'll be, you know, ready to play this. Um instant speed game plan quite a bit. So I think this card's pretty, this deck's pretty sweet. I've heard a lot of people like sing some praises about it and think it's like, you know, being a big fan of it. Um, obviously in this kind of deck, you know, playing four of the fortified beach hand, very good land card, which, and I hope to see yeah. for, I hope we go to Ixalom, which gets cycle, like for all the tribes. Too. Um, for Harbin, even though he's legendary, because Harbin is just that fucking good. It's a really good card. And then there's also a Azorius midrange uh, list, which is interesting. Fourth Raven Inspector, two Rattle Chains, two Self of Spirit, two Brazen Borrower, four Reflector Mage, four Spell Queller. Two Archangel Avison, three Wandering Emperor, two Laydown Arms, four Make Disappear, four Portable Hole, three Reckoner Bankbuster, and then Lands. So it's like a Azorius Flash with a bit more of a. It's like a yeah, control list, but more of a beatdown plan. In many ways, like the Blue White Soldiers deck. It's a little bit bigger. Yeah. A little bit thicker, but overall, so like we see, yeah, like not... we see some other options like Gruel Ramp, but it's like a bunch of the Gruel Ramp actually just straight up ramping into Citadel uh, Cityscape Leveler. Actually, that's kind of funny. That's probably taken the spot of Worldbreaker. 
So glad we've gotten that in, uh, in the anthology. Just after right. it's been gloriously replaced by a Cityscape Leveler. Did you see the Elves list running Court of Calling? Yeah, I saw that. Elves with Court of Calling. I, I always like... I kind of like it, but I always find it sort of like, where do you find the mana? I think Cord is really great. Like, the classic is to, like, Cord... With your Shaman trigger off in the stack, you can try and Cord for another Shaman. And that's pretty sweet. You know, get the... That's mm -hmm. always a like good way to try and win a game. Uh, I do, in Elves, like... Um, what's it called? A Pyre of Heroes for a similar reason. Especially because yeah. there is a four mana Shaman of the pack from Kaldheim. So that can easily just get a Shaman, get a trigger, and then Birthing Pult, quote unquote, Birthing Pult it into another Shaman. Which I think is a pretty sweet way to, uh, you know, climb the chain. Um, so I'm never like quite sure on the cord because I feel like it's just too much mana, but it is like very like sort of aggressive what Elves wants to do. That deck, I saw the list also down to two Nykthos, which I think is correct. Um, I agree. Because a lot of them Don't had like three greedy. and it's a bit greedy with a bunch of like double green cards on two. Like it gets really iffy to be on that many. And then the Angels list with the four, like the eight Coco idea, but running four Sylvan Karyatids. I don't hate that. I guess they got tired of their Giada not being able to tap for their fucking Coco and being stuck on three lands. Yeah, is Giada no longer in that list, or uh... it is? It's still in. It's still in the list, but like it only taps for fucking angels. Which I've seen enough gameplay where people are like, "Come on, land!" And it's like you get another angel. It's like fuck. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, KO's Re uh, Reconstruction can grab artifacts, so it's nice to be able to grab like your portable holes in a pinch, too. Yeah, and your um, Unlicensed Hearse post board is also pretty sweet in that way. Yeah. yeah you see people like, trying different... Because I, I will say, this this deck also... Um, yeah, so with portable hole, it's, it's getting a bit light on the hits. Especially if we consider Sylvan Karyatids, I would almost not call that a go-go hit or a Reconstruction hit. In which case, you're down to like basically 20 respectable Coco hits and 22 respectable Reconstruction hits, which is cutting it a little bit too close to, for comfort for uh, my liking. What was otherwise in these lists? I think they're always pretty like. See one here with Voice of Resurgence. Not sure how to make of that one. Tom with Tom, uh, Tomic, Distinguished Advocate. I like the Skyclave Cleric a lot that we've seen in some of these versions it gives you extra land drops potentially which is pretty cool when there's a big important x spell in your deck and mm -hmm. the fact that it is a cleric so it triggers your uh, righteous valkyrie so if you have a righteous valkyrie in play this enters gives you three life of its toughness then two life of its etb which is the five that you need to trigger resplendent angel so i kind of like that card in the list but obviously it doesn't like give you the quote-unquote speed that Sylvan Karyatid does, even though being an 0-3 doesn't really give you speed. This is a 1-3, so I wouldn't say it gives you speed either. So I got that. If you were to go to an RCQ oh, I'm right probably now, going next week, so there you go. 
All right. Well, what if you weren't biased in bringing Grixis because you want to play Grixis? What deck would you bring right now? Um, I think I'd still just be on Devotion, either Mono Green Devotion or Mono White Humans. I might be on that. Well, I'm saying Mono White Humans. I might look at the Orzhov Humans. I think that list is very interesting. So I feel like the Mono White lists tend to be a little too. Like, I almost find them a little too conservative, and I was like, I feel like there's more to be gone out of this deck. But given that I would have little time to prep, uh, probably just pick up Mono White or Mono Green. Because even though people are, like, you know, ready for Mono Green and everyone's playing around Mono Green, or it's like, are they, though? Like, and also, are people on it as much? I notice in paper that Rakdos is super fucking popular because modern players tend to have a lot of the cards around to build Rakdos. Mm-hmm. And Mono Green just farms Rectos. And, like, while being reasonably easy to play. Uh, Misery Shadow has obviously made that different. But, like, for example, if I want to be farming Rectos, if I'm, you know, proficient with a deck, I would play Karuga. Because Karuga just, like, it's just, like, auto wins versus Rectos, basically. I'm pretty sure yeah, it has any, no sideboard. any of the Fires list. Um, I think straight up any Fires list farms Rectos. Yeah. So, anticipating Enigmatic a lot of is impossible. Rectos? beat. But being on all rectals and just having like the goldfish aspect, I would probably just still be on mono green. Like deck is just like also, so powerful by itself. Hmm. One thing about Rakdos is like, do you really want to play all those Rakdos mirrors? Nope. Because like at a certain point, it gets old. Yeah, those I mean, like, so is the mono green ones, but at least you're kind of goldfishing each other. Yeah, at least you're done quickly. <laughs> well, so is the Rakdos one, because it's the first one to stick a shoulder that wins. But at least that's kind of what it feels like. Though Misery Shadow can honestly <laughs> provide like a pretty reasonable clock of here. Because it's basically unblockable. Because otherwise it's going to trade yeah. for something important, and they never want to do that. Even though... I feel like part of the reason, like partially with Rakdos, it's obviously we call it Rakdos midrange, but midrange is the like most loosely defined term in the English language. Um, where like so many times, like it almost feels like it's just like Rakdos aggro. Like I feel like the deck is played pretty, should be played like pretty aggressively. I think that's also what I saw in the RC that there were like, they were often just like getting in the red zone, and you know, Misery Shadow really helps with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Very often, just like instead of like developing like something slow, you know, just dump mana into the Misery Shadow, and just like when your opponent is like, oh, I'm not blocking it, it's like, well, guess you're taking six, because that just means that Shieldred provides like such a quick like stop on the on the game. I feel like that's a very big impact that Shieldred had, where if you provide, if you play really aggressively, you just provide a ton of pressure. And then Shieldred comes down, and it's just, like, done. Because they've had to burn all their interaction. Yeah, like, I saw, like, Phoenix players, like, three for one in themselves, killing a Misery Shadow. And then just a Shieldred comes down, and it's like, yeah, cool, you've just used all your removal, you're dead. But you weren't going to win otherwise, so you had to. Because I was just going to, like, double stomp every Phoenix you played ever. Like, you know, you go to combat, two phoenixes, cool, stomp both, they get exiled to Misery Shadow. Like, you could take seven turns if you want, if you've got nothing to attack with. I think it's funny how there's just no Liliana. In yeah, that card's anymore. fucking gone. <laughs> like, 
Like, what is it going to take for it to come back? Like, I think when, like, Boris Roek is, like, a bigger player again. If uh, if Fable gets banned. But then I could make... But even then... Like, even now with Misery Shadow, you've got a good mana sink, so you don't even really want to, like, discard lands actively, because you kind of just want to keep making your land drops. Yeah. So I don't know, like... I don't know what it's going to take for it. Definitely, like, the meta... Like as you said, if there's if there's a lot of um a lot of like heroic, it's a lot of blue white, you probably wanna apply the pressure using uh Liliana. Obviously again if Fable gets banned, for example, which I don't expect anytime soon, but if Fable would were to get banned, then um obviously you're gonna look for other three drops to fill your three drop tribal deck with. And in that case Liliana's pretty good. But other than that, yeah, I, I would, well. I would admit, I mean, it, it, I've I said it earlier in the cast, like, I have not, I, I said it on the at least the pre rambling that we have on Patreon or whatever, um, but like I haven't been playing much Magic at all, and a lot of the Magic I have been playing has been limited because the shop I go to plays a lot of draft and stuff like that, and I've I've played a few like drafts on like Arena and everything, I haven't played that much like actual like Pioneer and everything. And I think part of that is, at the moment, we're reaching a point of, like, when we get new cards for sets, it's a lot of plug and play. X card goes in X existing archetype or deck that's already established. Like Mono Green all got all these tools, Misery Shadow and Rakdos. Um I'm not seeing and like yeah, we see a, a few five OS, but those are also decks that have previously existed. Like Azorius Midrange has existed. And uh, and I I would give it to, you know, Soldiers being a, a newer deck. That's cool. I'm very happy to see that. Um and then even like the Valky release of the winds was a deck that existed when Valky first dropped and it's resurged a little bit again, thanks to pretty much one player getting a couple of five O's with it, trying out these other new cards. It's just, again, it's a lot of plug and play. And I, I miss a little bit of when pioneer had a lot of the, um, and I know, I know it left a, horrible taste in everyone's mouth right the, the like there is beyond death literally giving us four fucking decks off rip four entirely new archetypes that weren't in the format before we haven't had that i don't know i i don't know if i agree with that now something to like rival like the titans that are like phoenix rakdos and mono green maybe not but if i think of like this year um when we got um, Neon Dynasty, that basically birthed Ragdoll's mid-range. Like, it was around mm-hmm. before, but that really made it, like, the deck that it is now. And it gave us Greasefang, like, as an entirely new deck. Then yep. in Capenna, we got Extraction Specialist. But that Specialist. was February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then we got New Capenna. New Capenna gave mm-hmm. us um, Extraction Specialist, which really, like, revitalized humans which became a much bigger player afterwards. Then with Dominaria United, uh, obviously that 
I think mostly brought um I mean I'm doing this from the top of my head, but that mostly just brought us like better cards for mid range, so that didn't do as much. In a way you could say birth Karuga fires, because that deck just and revitalized um Enigmatic Fires, which had not really well, it's been around, but it became much better with that set. And now we got Brothers War, which gives us soldiers, it made Angels a much better deck. So I do think there is like new stuff coming up, but I will say it's mainly like the the decks at the top that are really like having a bit of a stranglehold on the creativity. But even then, there is a bunch of decks coming up. It's just the sort of like what to prepare for. Like if you're going into like a big event, like what like the main decks are to prepare prepare for, that hasn't changed too much. But I personally don't mind that as much because it, it makes the format like a little more approachable. Because when Theros yeah. came out, it was like Pioneer rotated. And mm-hmm. I kind of hated that. For a large part, just to be honest, because Magic is an expensive hobby. And when your top format basically rotates um, and all the cards are like a bunch of 50-buck Mythics, then I'm like, yeah, I, I can't really keep up with that. And this feels like a format that is pretty like reasonably easy to keep up with, even if you don't have to play it every day. Which I do kind of like. Yeah, kind of what people used to like about modern. Yeah, my thing is like I I will give outside of soldiers the last time a deck was truly born from a card would be Grease Fang. I would say with Kamigawa. Um, every other set that's been out since then have been cards that are just like. Decks that have already existed were at the cusp of being good to be great or whatever, got a key card here or there, and brought it forward into the limelight again. Um, I guess it's probably a good thing if we only get like one or two of those kind of cards a year, like a Grease Fang, that completely births an entirely new archetype. Um, yeah. I think it's also just a little fatigue with like all of like the fucking previews that we get. It makes these uh, moments between sets feel longer than it really is. Um, With how long we're exposed to previews, how quickly people hop on testing and stuff like that. And in a way it feels like stuff doesn't stay relevant for as long as you want it to. Yeah. Like, and it's a little bit bro is just out boring. And we get the news like, oh, they're pushing, um, I think it was like Phyrexia All is One. It's like pushed like a week forward. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, why are we already talking about this set? <laughs> and then we get all the Jumpstart cards and we get Dominar- uh, Dominaria Remastered. Or Dominar- is it Dominaria Remastered? Like the paper set, which is an all reprint set. Yeah. Like even though that's cool because it's like all reprints, so you don't have to keep up with it. Um Especially if you're like on Magic Twitter a lot, like maybe that maybe I should just have to like get off of Twitter because it gets fucking exhausting at some point. Because then you're like constantly like, oh, new art, new frame, new art, new frame, and it's like nothing feels like like it can really like ground before like the next thing pops up, and it makes it a bit of like a little exhausting to catch up. Yeah, and I don't say boring in the sense of I think Pioneer's boring. I don't. I still like the gameplay. I still like the decks and stuff like that. Uh, I think what I mean is 
design has gotten a little bit boring. If that makes sense. Like I I I want to see more Grease Fang type of cards that are just different. Yeah, and interesting. I, I think it's a bit like it's like they took the wrong lesson a little bit. Where the same as people like I don't think a lot of people hate horizon sets. People hate like the top five cards of every horizon set or whatever, the top Agreed. ten, the top twenty cards. And if you shave the rest off, the sets are actually pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. We're the same with, like, I don't think people hated fire design. I think people hated the best five cards out of every set that was made with fire design. And if you chop off the top five, you actually get, like, quite a few, like, fun and interesting cards that, like, make new archetypes or, like, are cool build-arounds or, you know... Um, like a lot of the cards that we have like now that have gotten in, you know, I named some of the decks, but it's angels, it's humans, it, it's goblins, it's elves, it's whatever, right? But tribal decks do tend to kind of build themselves and you don't really end up with like like a sacrifice deck that takes like or like Citadel. I think Citadel is a really cool example of a deck that just takes a bunch of different cards from a bunch of different eras like creates this like new thing but mm -hmm. if it's mainly like adding to again angels well go describe fall type in angels and it's basically how you build your deck with a few exceptions oh we get the new soldiers well i mean i like tribal decks but i do get that they're not the most like innovative to deck build with yeah, yeah it's that's also like, like why plug and play we weren't high where you just yeah, get like that. this card says all soldiers gets plus one plus one, so I guess I'm throwing it in the soldiers deck. It's also why we weren't high on shouldered when it got spoiled, and I think we 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 underestimated it. Oh, I time. was extremely yeah. wrong on. Uh, but that's also partially because it's a boring card. Like the design of it is boring. It's really good. Misery Shadow is a really good card. Fable the Mirror Breaker is a really good card. Um, I, I would guess, I guess the backside of Fable isn't as boring. So maybe that's not as big of an example. But a lot of these cards that just keep coming out, frankly, are a little boring to me in terms of the design space. It's like, and, and I agree with you where you're like, it's like they learned the wrong lesson from Fire Design. They're still giving us pushed cards that are strong. But even though like things like Uro, Breach, you know, uh, Heliod and stuff like that, um, in the context of the decks that they're in, were obscenely broken, and there's a reason they're banned, not Heliod, but Ballista being the, the uh, casualty from that. At least they were interesting and in i mean again i Uro is kind of boring on, on the surface but it's so obscenely powerful it makes it more interesting to me in terms of design um i wish they would just find a middle ground between the two like yeah give us the boring mid-range cars that are just good like shielded i'm fine with having those in the set but also give us just stuff that's like, give me a reason to think. Give me a reason to brew. 
give me a reason to like look at a card and be like, holy shit, this could be something extremely powerful. But I have to figure it out. Yeah, like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised um, if this is also a result because we get so much product. And I don't know if they have like enough people to design this with. So you just mm-hmm. get like, especially if you look at like, there's a lot of commander products with a lot of interesting cards in it. Like, is that yeah. where like the mental bandwidth is going? That they just like, you know, because like you you can come up with like awesome creative design like over and over and over and over again, right? There's only like so much cool shit that one person can come up with. So is that partially based in the fact that they just have to like spend this mental bandwidth or other thing? I I don't know, right? I don't know if like the internal teams are like way larger now, but given how much more product they make, I haven't like heard that their team has like grown significantly. But I might be wrong on that. I hope I'm wrong on that. And they just like this just like a design decision that they'll reflect upon. Because personally, like I don't mind it as much. But I do get that it's like it's harder to get the brewer's juices flowing if like Yeah. The cards aren't as thrilling. I will also admit part of it is because I've been playing so much fucking Marvel Snap that like <laughs> my attention has been devolved into another game. And that does have a tendency to like whenever you start playing another game you start to like look at the other games differently a little bit. Like the design space of Marvel Snap, again, completely different game, completely different fucking way it works. But the design of all these cards, I'm like, I get excited about because I'm like, that's so fucking cool that it does the thing that it does. And yeah, you can't quite get that type of stuff in Magic because like, for example, like Beast is a card that bounces stuff from the field to your hand. If you bounce something from the field to your hand, in snap it keeps the buffs that it had before no no like brat, perpetual. Brat, that's perpetual <laughs> fuck off no <laughs> yeah go away <laughs> which that's cool but you can't have that in magic <laughs> so it limits some design space that kind of thing um but yeah like i don't know i don't feel fatigue when i'm looking at snap maybe it's because it's so new i don't feel fatigue when i'm looking at the 90 unreleased cards that they data mined and be like these are really cool looking where I look at Magic and I'm like, it's so much of the same. <laughs> like in the design space. Like it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a little bit of burnout. But like I've also taken a step away from Magic a little bit. So I don't think it's that. I think it's just genuinely the design is lacking a little bit of, uh, of uh, what I want to see. I just want cool shit. I want, I want the Mythics to be really cool and like weird. Like, I don't care if they're bad. Give me against the odd shit that's, like, really interesting, but not obscenely horrible. Over the top. That deck seemed really cool in Standard. Don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah. Seth uh, played with Over the Top. Yeah, Yeah, I did did see that one. Like, I want to... Yeah. I don't know. I have no other comments on any other fucking decks I can think of for Pioneer. The meta's the meta. Uh, it looks fine to me. I see no no glaring issues with anything. Karn still needs to go because it's an annoying card at this point. Um, and maybe that'll give the format room to breathe. Because um, that also could just be a reason for the meta game being not stale, but like a little stagnant. We have, again, some di- different decks popping up here and there. 
but when you have to have such a huge fucking target on a single deck's yeah, like, back like, at all times. There is a reasonable rock, paper, scissor going around, but one of the rock, papers, or scissors is always mono green. Well, it's it's yeah, because like even Ragdoll's like like we sort of have a rock, paper, scissor between like Phoenix, Ragdoll's and Mono Green. Mm-hmm. Um and it feels like everything else kind of dances around that. And now there is enough wiggle room around. Like, we're not playing actually rock, paper, scissors with these three decks. But It's not like the combo summer or whatever. No, exactly. It, it's not like, uh, you know, mono, uh, heliod, inverter, um, what was it? And Breach. Breach. Which was just like, play any of these three decks or be wrong. Uh, it's mm-hmm. It's not that, which I'm very happy about. But yeah, I do get that like these these decks are like constantly in the picture, and you can get a little bit tired of them, especially because I personally just don't think mono green is like the most interesting gameplay. Uh, I don't mind playing against Rectos at all. I think Phoenix is like a fun matchup to play generally. I just find mono green a little boring. And if yeah. a cornerstone of your format that like everyone has like dedicated sideboard slots to, etc., it's just a deck that is just like fundamentally not a very interesting deck that can really, like, wear on the rest of the format. Because, you know, what is an example of, like, uh, a way the meta adapts that we see a lot of mono-white humans because it plays sort of less interactive. It plays, in my opinion, like, less interesting cards because it has to be fast, it has to be linear, and it plays Brave the Elements to be my board is unblockable and you die. Where perhaps if there wouldn't be mono-green, we could see more, like, four-color humans or, like, a while ago... A lot of people were experimenting with all these different kinds of human shells. We had Coco humans decks, we had Power of Heroes human yep. deck, and some of them were Esper, some of them were banned. Like, and obviously part of that was just the deck like finding its footing and settling on mono white. But I think part of that is that like the meta like necessitates like the less interactive, more just fucking kill him version of mono white. Because a deck like Mono Green just doesn't, and Phoenix to a certain extent does this too, it really punishes people who dirtle. And sometimes it can be very fun to dirtle. And that's just something in Pioneer that you can't really do at the moment because these decks just go way over the fucking top of you if you let off the pressure for a few turns. And that can be Mono really restrictive. Green was just a cooler deck when it didn't have a combo. Yeah, like Mono Green was cooler when it didn't have a, te- have a combo. Uh, Phoenix has this again to, to a degree with the discovery of Temple. Well, Discovery, it was discovered after the printing of Galvanic Iteration, but when people kind of put two and two together and are like, hey, this is fucking cracked with Temporal Trespass, and now yeah. you take like a turn off and your opponent suddenly casts a time stretch and you die. And that means you need to play stack pieces, but stack pieces slow games down. So then, okay, we are technically dirtling, but we're dirtling by not playing cool cards. We're dirtling because we're not really doing anything. And it's not necessarily bad gameplay, but it's not the most thrilling gameplay we've ever played. And I think that's fair to say. I firmly enjoy playing Pioneer, but some of these matchups are just like not as interesting as they can be because there's a lot of matchups where it can sometimes boil down a little bit to like, well, they just like, they had it right like i find myself saying let them have it right like more often Mm -hmm. and then when they do have it well guess i'm fucking dead it was the correct play to let them have it but you don't have that level of agency um which i think also is what made phoenix so attractive because phoenix you know 
your opponent might not have as much agency because you can randomly kill him. But Phoenix has a lot of agency over the games it plays because it has so many decision points. Have you actually yeah, played Phoenix? Maybe deck. you should give that a shot. That's a deck with a lot I of have. depth. Yeah, I, I do like Phoenix um, as I've played it a bit more. It, it, like the same way I like Jeskai Ascendancy, I guess. So maybe maybe that's part of it. Just picking up and trying some different shit. Yeah, I can't believe people who play Rectal's mid-range over and over. <laughs> that seems so fucking boring to me. Like, maybe that's personal, but... I actually... Think, it, it kind of is. I don't hate playing against it. Like, I think it's a fine mech. I think it's interesting matchups. Um, but it strikes me as so unbelievably fucking boring to play. Especially for like an extended period of time. Yeah. Well, you guys can tell us what you think. What do you guys think about the meta so far? What do you think about the impact of Brothers War cards? What do you think about the Explorer Anthology and the lack thereof of actual Pioneer staple cards and some weird duds like Eerie Interlude being in these fucking things for seemingly no reason that are inevitably not going to see play at all? So, there's that. And yeah, just you can let us know what you think. You can go ahead and check us out on the Discord channel, on the socials, all that. But you already heard the ad read in the middle, so it's fine. But otherwise, thank you. We appreciate you. We love you listening to us every single week. I have nothing more to say. Alex, do you have anything? Um, I was there by my girlfriend to randomly get the word egg into the podcast, and I failed. So, here we go. Egg. I agree. <laughs> With that, we hope you listen to us next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>